0: Today we're talking about ashes on the wind and those ashes can be many, many different things for many different people. I'm going to be able to use examples from my life, but you probably have a variation of examples from yours. And I'm going to teach you what to do with those ashes, okay? (laughs) Because here's the deal, some people are able to leave their abuser and end up having a really good experience as they are recovering. And others will have challenges. Others will lose people and things that are very important to them. I don't think there's a single one of us that leaves abuse and does not experience ashes. And so I feel like this is a really good one that should resonate with everybody that's listening. Whether you're still with your abuser, you've left, you're in between. um, This is for you. So my ashes were surprising to me. Probably shouldn't be, right? <laughs> but uh, I I had church friends. Those were literally one of the only kinds of friends that I had. I had, was a stay-at-home mom, so I didn't have work friends like I used to. Uh, the only time I was really running into anyone was if I went to something at church or volunteered. And even that, even with that, my abuser was taking more and more time away from the time I was able to volunteer. It would be more important for him to volunteer than me. He would pick something bigger, more extravagant, and tell me that his volunteer opportunity was far more important than mine. And you know what's sad is I would actually weigh and consider how many more people he could reach and talk to and help than me based on his. And why was he getting these opportunities? Because he was doing it all the time. He was gone all the time. If he wasn't working, he wasn't doing school. He was doing volunteer opportunity for other people while we suffered at home. And so. Uh, I only knew church people. And honestly, honestly, some of you have had bad experiences with church people. And you're gonna hear this and you're be like, girl, how did you not see that coming? I didn't, okay? I thought I might have a couple naysayers, a couple judgy, judgy eyes, right? Um, and then I'd be good. And that's not what happened. And I've like mentioned this before. Um, but I'm now in my own home, in my own emotionally safe place where I'm getting to process the trauma I'm getting to brought. And I say, get to, because it really is a gift after you've been in abuse to get to process the trauma, the hurt, the pain, the ashes. Okay. So here I am thinking that I can go to the leaders of our church group and my church friends, and they're going to be like, Michaela, I'm so sorry. That's so hard. I hate that this is happening. We love you and him. We are so excited about all the things we feel like you guys could do together, but this obviously is not okay. And we definitely feel like he needs to be accountable to it, and you guys need that help, and he needs to get help for his issue. And that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, guys. I even as I say it, I'm still just some part of me is still shocked, even though it's been over a year that I went to these people and that was not the response because I always imagined that as I went to church, as I experienced God and his love for me and then all of his people, I was like for sure if I ever go through one of the hardest things in my life, these people will be there for me. Imagine my shock when I go through the hardest thing in my life and they are not. I ended up having one friend who said some things that were really hurtful at first but she pushed through I pushed through and we managed to keep the relationship. One, I just want you to think about that. My entire life, I had been there living in that area for 10 years, maybe. And, um, I walked away with one friend. Yeah, that was hard. It was super disappointing. These are people that, you know, as a Christian, you feel like they represent God And I had so many of them telling me that God would want me to do the opposite of what I was doing. And then I had this instinct, this God-given instinct on the inside of me telling me that the abuse was not okay, that threatening me, violating my boundaries, invading my personal space, using his size to intimidate me, that all of those things were wrong, and that we needed more help. But the first people I ran to for help, the church who should have been, I am going to rant, they should have been the first helpers. People at church know. They know that abuse is wrong. In general, they know that people should be held accountable. And yet they have this bad, bad habit of judging the wrong people and encouraging the people who are doing something wrong. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like, oh, if someone has the greater sin, then they could turn around and have a better story because of the extreme difference. I don't know. But it's wrong. Uh, someday I hope to change that. Someday I hope to like wiggle my way into church culture and change the way that it's been established. Um, I'm not there yet, but that is a hope and a dream because I don't want another woman to have to experience the isolation that I did in losing all of these church people, all of that connection. Because when you are going through abuse and leaving your abuser, you already feel lonely, isolated, overwhelmed, depressed, anxious, fearful. You feel all of the emotions under which any human being needs extra support and extra care and extra connection. To lose that connection as I was taking such big steps, scary steps, independent steps was so hard for me. And I got back and I've already told you about the church here that like the pastor's wife was really supportive but everyone else just backed off. They took about 50 steps back and watched me from afar. And again, I felt judged, I felt isolated, I felt alone. I ended up reaching out to a couple cousins and my sister And I'm telling you right now that for months, they were the only people who offered kind words of encouragement. My grandma did, but that eventually that relationship devolved um, until she was letting a child molester stay at the house of my kids. I don't even know if I should be doing this. Like, I don't even know if I should be posting this session yet because it still feels so raw. And I really do make an attempt to share with you guys when I feel like I've gained some wisdom from the situation that will hopefully help you, not just when I'm feeling like broken pieces. But I'm not sure... I'm not sure how long this is going to take for these ashes to feel restored. Okay, so I'm just going to go with it. There's a lot of everything. And so maybe as you're listening to this, you know exactly how it feels. And that's why I use the word ashes. What what else do you call it when everything that you thought you had feels like it's been destroyed in a moment? You left your abuser. You came out and told the truth. You finally reached out to a friend and they judged you and they were cruel to you, or they demanded that you go forward and tell someone when you weren't ready. Like there are so many different facets of feeling like what you thought that you would have, the support and connection that you longed for are suddenly ashes. And um the hard, hard one, all of it was hard. Realizing my husband was not gonna get help and he was gonna continue the abuse and tell me that God was just judging me hard. Having all my Christian friends that I thought would support me and love me and encourage me through this journey, hard. Having family members turn and say that they weren't okay with it, hard. The hardest one, though, is my grandparents. Like, hands down, if I'm being entirely honest, they are the people in my life that I've respected more than anyone. Not put on a pedestal. They're, They're people. I've been aware of their people flaws for a while, just like me. We all have flaws, right? But someone that I respected, someone that I viewed as like just a gift from God in my life, someone that I treasured and honored, they were it. They were close to me. My grandma, I would just call her my best friend. And she was, there were a couple things I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing with her, but almost everything I felt like I could bring to her, my abusive relationship, all, all of these things. So all of a sudden, when a worldwide pandemic hits... <clears throat> And with housing the way that it is during a pandemic, I couldn't find a place to live. And um, and I tried and I had the money, but it was working through HUD and through assistance programs. And they say they say it's one of the hardest things that we do face when we leave an abusive relationship is finding housing, low cost, affordable housing, right? There were houses I couldn't afford. There were tons of houses for sale. I could rarely find one for rent. And with my income level, I was not an attractive candidate. And yeah, that's going to put a strain on your relationship when I'm stuck living in your house a lot longer than I thought I was. But I I didn't stop looking. I spent one month in the summer where I focused on schoolwork more, but that's because nothing was opening up. And I talked to them about it. I said, hey, listen, with COVID, there's just nothing. I'm trying. I'm looking at the ads. I'm talking to people. I'm sending out requests on Facebook to know if they approve HUD." I'm getting nothing, you know, in a couple of places that I did, they were like, oh, it's already gone in five minutes. It was gone. So I said, is it okay if I just focus on our schoolwork? And as soon as I start to see more things opening up, I immediately put my application back in for head because those run out. So you're on a time limit. So if I do it and there's no housing, and then I run out of time, you understand the dilemma. And so here I am with three kids, homeschooling, going to school full time, completely overwhelmed, still dealing with my ex, um, having all of that stuff happen and then living with my grandparents and their rules were crazy. They, they were, they're not crazy people, their rules and their need for control. That was out of bounds. I would have to wash and dry every single dish and put it away as soon as we were done eating. I wasn't allowed to have toys downstairs for the kids. I wasn't allowed to live in their space. And if we were upstairs, you would think, oh, we'll just stay upstairs in the three bedrooms in the bathroom and enjoy that. Well, I tr- tried. But if my kids, who are all seven and under, would run, we would get in trouble. If they played too loudly, we would get in trouble. They're old floors. You could hear everything. So it was a darned if you do and darned if you don't situation, no matter how hard I tried to get it good enough for them. And guys, oh my gosh, can you hear the mirror of my abusive situation with my husband? And then the mirror of how that abuse continued then with my grandparents. And I would have honest conversations with them and tell them, Hey, listen, this triggers me so hard because of the type of abuse that I endured. If you could just tell me nicely that this is the way you want something done. But guys, seriously, I could not leave clean dishes in the dish by the end. I had to put every single dish away, wash, dry, put away. It was time consuming. It took away from all the things I needed to do, including looking for a home, but I did it. I followed all these crazy, 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 crazy rules to try and keep the peace because I knew that was the only home I had for my kids. And then when I finally took a stand, when I finally said, it's enough, you're bringing a child molester into the home. I don't know if he's molested anyone in decades, but I know that he did. I know that he did molest a cousin and she was bringing him in overnight. And yeah, he had some heart problems, but there's about eight other family members who don't have small children in the home that he could have stayed with. And, um, and taking a stand on that meant that my grandparents told me that I had to leave. I wouldn't have a place for my kids. They called me disrespectful. My grandpa told me that God would strike me down where I stood. These people that I honored and respected and loved, they, um, stopped being loving toward me and they stopped saying kind words toward me and they started being more controlling and they started being verbally abusive and they started bringing a child molester around my children and I that's ashes I'm grieving the relationship of two people that I loved and I cared for and I respected so incredibly much And I don't know if I ever want it back. And that's ashes. And so ashes don't just come from the parts of yourself that you lost when you were with an abuser who took and took from you for so long. They don't just come from losing friendships or church. They don't just come from rejection and isolation. They come from all of the people and all of the things that you lose. Maybe a home. Maybe you lost custody of your kids. And if you did, I'm so sorry because I can't imagine how much that must have broken your heart. And so we have ashes. As women who are recovering from abuse, you would think that leaving an abusive relationship would be enough. Or speaking up against it would be enough. But I can't promise you a fairy tale on a yellow brick road. Instead, I'm, I'm offering you wisdom on what to do with your ashes because yours may not be the same as mine, but I guarantee you all of us have handfuls of ashes of the things that we've lost, of the relationships that burned, of the things that we held dear that we no longer have because we said no to abuse. And if that is you, I want you to know that you're gonna be okay. That you don't have to live with regret because if people really, really, really loved you, And really cared about you and were the kind of people that you want in your life. They would never have become ashes. Do you understand? The people are... The people... I'm trying to think of a way to say this because it doesn't mean that they're awful people. But they weren't good for you. They weren't healthy for you, strong for you, kind for you. They are not the people that you want as you grow and you move forward in an abuse free life. Because people may attempt to abuse you from this moment forward, but once you've said no to it, you will never, ever, 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 ever allow someone willingly to abuse you. You will stand up, you will say no, you will draw the line, and you will take care of yourself and honor yourself by refusing to allow abuse to become a daily part of your life. If these people are not a part of your life now, it is because they did not recognize your value support you as a human being and love you the way that you deserve to be loved and stuff stuff hurts too having to start all over and go to dollar tree and try to get as many things as i can on a budget because i'm starting from scratch hard am i so thankful for every single person that i don't know that well who did step up and provided things that i could have never gotten for myself heck yes i did i had a professor at my school Step up, email a bunch of different people to try and see if anyone had anything to donate. And guys, because of her actions, I got to sleep on a bed for the first time in weeks. And an air mattress, but I was grateful to have my own home. She made it possible for me to sleep on a bed. Do you understand like how valuable that is? There were things that they gave me that were so helpful. A family from church helped out. I had a couple other people donate a futon and chairs to sit in at the table. Simple, simple things, but that were so meaningful to me. And maybe the rest of my life, I'll appreciate stuff like that so much more because I know what it's like to have in my hands nothing but ashes. And so because there are going to be good people, because you are going to find support, even if it's not from who you'd hope to have it from i'm going to tell you what to do with your ashes you are going to lift them up and you are going to let them drift away on the wind if you can choose in this moment when all you have is ashes to forgive to release those people to understand and respect yourself enough to know that you don't need them or the things that you lost the time that you feel like might have been wasted on that relationship Let them float away like ashes on the wind. You don't need them anymore. You're not bound and secured by the wrongs that people did. This gets to be your life of freedom. But as long as you hoard that grief and you hoard those ashes and you hoard those awful things that were done to you and you keep keep them and keep them and keep them and ruminate on them over and over and over again, you are not going to be able to leave in freedom because you're going to be caught up in your past. And I want you to be free. I want you to be able to walk away from the abuse, walk away from the attacks, walk away from the bad relationships and respect yourself and have a healthy relationship with you and then build healthy relationships with others. But you can't unless you put those ashes in the wind, let them float away, cry the tears and grieve everything that needs to be grieved, but then let them go. You are going to be entering an opportunity for a new life as a rejuvenated person who is healed, who is recovered, who has been redeemed. And you do not want that time to be tainted by all the ways that you were hurt in the past. Choose to build a life on your healing, on your freedom, on an attitude that is generated around the positive things that have happened to you. And I found myself, I'll find myself missing, grieving, wondering why did they do that? Why did this person say that? Especially with my grandparents. And I just made a choice that I'm going to choose my attitude to focus on the good. And I'm going to release the ashes of my past in the wind. Like seriously, if you can imagine taking your hand in, in the ashes, okay, and you are going to gather them up in you palm of your hand and you're going to cup your hand and you're going to raise it to the sky and every single awful thing that your abuser did to you that people did to you that they said the ways they didn't support you the ways that you hope people would be there for you you are going to release those ashes on the wind and you can ask god for beauty instead of ashes because in the bible he promises to give you beauty for your ashes and i want you desperately to live a life that is beautiful So yes, you may have to let go, you may have to forgive. There are some things that you are never going to get back and that can be hard, but grieve it and release your ashes on the wind so that you can move forward with a beautiful life and a new fresh attitude that you are going to overcome, that you are going to live good, that you are going to find good, loving, supportive and respectful people to make up your new circle. And that you can trust God in all of it. You can let all of these things go. And I promise you that you will never, ever, ever, ever regret releasing your ashes on the wind.